friends, welcome back. Thank you for bearing with me through the break as I switch over to an ongoing every other week schedule. I'm so grateful for your support. Every message I get from a listener means the world to me. And the next couple of episodes feature listeners who got in touch to let me know they'd like to be a guest. There's truly no greater confirmation of the work that I'm doing than hearing that people want to be part of it. So if you're listening and thinking you might possibly want to do an interview with me, please let me know. I would love to talk to you. Hi, I'm Leah Carey, and this is Good Girls Talk About Sex. This is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. Before we get started, I want to tell you this. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with the things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. Today, we meet Martina, a 29-year-old cisgender woman who describes herself as white, heterosexual, monogamous, and in a relationship. Martina grew up in Poland and now lives in South Africa. She deals with depression, and she talks about how that has affected her relationships and sex. Martina has been listening to the podcast since near the beginning, and she contacted me to be a guest because she's gotten so much out of it. During our conversation, she references the STARS talk several times. If you haven't heard it yet, I highly recommend you go back in the feed to the bonus episode from February 20, 2019, titled Eveline Dacker and the STARS Method. Again, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, please visit leahcarry.com forward slash guest or drop me an email at leah at goodgirlstalkaboutsex.com. And now, I'm so pleased to introduce Martina. Thank you so much for being with me today. Um, I was thrilled. We don't know each other, but you found the podcast through one of my guests during the first season, Jesse Neeland, and you contacted me to tell me how much you were enjoying it. And of course, I said, well, that's great. Do you want to be a guest? <laughs> and I'm just so thrilled that you said yes. So welcome. Thank you so much. And I just want to say thank you to all the guests from the first season, because that's what I've been listening to. And I mean, all the women and all the experiences were amazing. And it made me realize a lot about sexuality and about myself. And uh, I'm so grateful for all the information I got from all the ladies <laughs> that were on your show. Awesome. Well, thank you. 
Um, so let's start at the beginning. How did you discover the idea of sex? Do you remember? My parents had upstairs on the attic like those massive pillows, and I pretended those are horses. And suddenly, I realized they are really cool to ride. Oh, yes. (laughs) I ditched the idea of being a Texas Ranger, and I was just riding the pillow (laughs) upstairs. (laughs) Do you remember how old you were? Um, I think in single digits around that time. Yeah. Uh, It must have been quite, quite early. Do you think that you came to something that you would now recognize as an orgasm doing those things? I, I think so. I remember, you know, accumulation of this good feeling and then like this sudden relief that I would now call orgasm. Mm-hmm. So I think I think I did. <laughs> and at what point did you connect that up to the idea of sex and sexual engagement with another person? <laughs> That's another funny story, because again, I don't remember how old I was. I was a kid. Um, I was spending summer with my grandparents and their friends and their grandchildren. And one of the girls, girl and girl experience, (laughs) and as we mentioned, I'm straight. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But we were playing and I have no memory of what was the game. Um, But I remember we were humping each other. Hmm. And she was about four years older than me. Um, So... I don't see it as any form of inconsensual interactions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she wasn't aware of what she was doing either. She just knew that it was nice. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was just humping each other, and that was nice, and we were hiding it from her grandma. As we said in the intro, you are originally from Poland, um, yes. and you're now living in South Africa. So... I'm curious to know about your experiences growing up. What were the messages that you heard in Poland, in Polish culture, around sex and sexuality as a child? Huh. Well, that's that's a very, very interesting question. Um, because Polish people are um, considered to be Catholic people. But as I mentioned to you, my family is not really religious, or at least they don't practice. We more stick to traditions. So all that Christmassy stuff that we do, it's mainly the tradition. My parents were never forcing me to go to church. But being brought up in Catholic culture, I was attending religion classes, so Catholic religion classes. And when it comes to my family, um, I did bust my parents twice in my life as far as I remember. You mean you Um, walked in on them having sex? Yes. Okay. (laughs) One was when I had a problem with sleeping when I was a small child, and then I never admitted to them that that happened. They didn't realize even. Um, And then the second time was when I was already 18. I I just burst out laughing and I walked out. (laughs) (laughs) But but, um, when I got my period, I went to my sister. I said something is off. And then she explained to me what it is. My sister is older. And then my mom brought a champagne and we had a champagne to celebrate that I'm a woman. Oh my goodness. Um, so that was it. And I was obviously stressed. I was training swimming. So I was stressed, like, you know, all the embarrassment with how I will go swimming now. Um, but that was explained to me what to do, how to behave and nothing like shameful about that. When it comes to sexual interactions with boys, though, 
I don't remember much, um, except my mom told me what I distinctly remember. It's not like in, in the movies. You first have to take a shower, and uh, then you may uh, lie with your boyfriend and do all those things. But uh, that was it. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I remember. Uh, and I was hiding when I wanted to go for contraception. I was hiding. But I think it was more of a fear of judgment. I was quite young. So I found my own doctor. Well, my mom is a doctor, so it was her friend. But, you know, doctor-patient confidentiality. <laughs> so I trusted the lady and, and yeah, I, I arranged that myself. And how old were you? Do you remember? Uh, I think I first went on a pill when I was 16. I lost my virginity mm-hmm. when I was 15. So I didn't want to take a risk. Like uh-huh. more maturity kind of kicked in like, ah, no, too early, <laughs> way too early. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious about this instruction from your mom to take a shower before you <laughs> have sex. <laughs> Do you know what that was about? And did you listen to her? <laughs> well, uh, no. <laughs> I did listen to her. <laughs> I have no idea what that was about. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was more like she was trying to protect me in a sense of don't be too spontaneous with boys, you know. Oh, be so mindful. it wasn't about cleanliness. It was about no. making sure you take a couple minutes to yes. be sure this is what you want to do. Oh, yes, okay. Yes. I think it was more referring to that. At least that's how I took it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> doesn't mean that I listened to. Okay, doesn't mean that I listened to. I yeah. have my <laughs> guilty uh, conscience about that, but <laughs> you know, we all so, make stupid choices. So what about the first time you had sex? What were the circumstances? No one knows about that. So that's, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I even lied to my sister what was my first time. Mm. Because I'm not proud of it. So I'm from a home. That's how I explain what happened. I'm from a home when my mom was drinking. And she was quite abusive while drinking. Uh, not physically, but psychologically. And uh, my dad was never protecting us. So when I reached my puberty, I, you know, start smoking, start drinking. And I was like, I can do whatever I want. I still had good grades, but I had my rebel time. So what happened was quite a stupid story of me uh, finding this boy that actually wasn't from my country. It was on holidays in Tunisia. and. Um, We didn't communicate because he didn't speak English. I did. Mm. But, you know, we had this affection, like, I liked the way he looked. He liked the way I looked. We were making out on a couch, and then he took me by my hand. Uh, We walked to his room, and all the things started going on. And then at a certain point, I asked him, like, oh, condom? Condom? (laughs) So he figured out that I wanted to use protection. Um. So immediately uh, when he entered me, it hurt. So I stopped it. And then there was a walk of shame. I ran into my friend that she was covering me from my parents. And he went away to play pool with his friends. Mm. And yeah, that's, I guess, you know, it brings a lot of shame when I'm thinking about it. And no one knows about it. My sister knows about other guy, completely other guy. Um, even, but I think it was a lesson that I learned 
So what is the shame about? What what do you feel is shameful about that? Well, you know, I completely, like, it was very immature, very spontaneous. So many things could have gone wrong. Uh, so, like, my adult side of me, the responsible side of me, thinks, like, woman, you could have been in so much trouble. Um, mm. Because I didn't know him at all. I'm struck by the idea that when it hurt, you said no, and you stopped it. And that is a big deal for a 15-year-old, especially her first time, that you took control of your body and your experience, and you extricated yourself. And I I think that there's actually a lot to be really proud of there. Thank you, then. <laughs> yeah. What about the next time? Was was the next time that you had sex m- more pleasant? Well, so I tend to, I think my nature, the way I was brought up, it was always to be a pleaser. So unfortunately, I rarely took care of myself and what I needed really. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I left all my pleasure to a guy. And if he didn't care or I didn't say something because I felt like, Maybe it's not my place. I'm too ashamed to say that I don't like this. I prefer that. That quite often the boys I slept with, I, I basically had no orgasm. I thought for a long time I can't orgasm at all. Yeah. When mm-hmm. I found myself sexually. Because that's really recent. And as I'm 29 year old, like, wow, that's a bit late since I had sex since I was 15. <laughs> mm. I I don't think it's unusual, though. Um, so what, what happened? How did you find yourself? Uh, so, um, I presume a lot of women do that a rebound kind of a thing after a breakup when you suddenly just go around and, uh, search for guys, mm-hmm. uh, for certain, I guess, to make you feel better, which obviously you should find yourself inside. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> but you still go out there. Sure. <laughs> um, and I went on this date, which I must, I'm so grateful to that guy because, as I'm saying, this was my kind of sexual uh, realization and start of great adventure <laughs> because I went on a date with a guy that I swiped, uh, what is it, right on Tinder? Or left, right. I didn't go into such a long I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, but it was on Tinder and he had a photo of him like on Slackline, butt naked. I was like, this is an interesting photo. So I swiped whatever side and we went out on a date. And we had a very interesting conversation. He sounded much better, you know, on paper than my ex that I just broke up with. So I was just amazed. And he was fully gentleman. And then we were sitting aside in this small restaurant, which was very like casual. Uh, so you have nice sofas and you just sit next to each other. And then he whispers in my ear, like a lot of things like asking for consent. Can I, can I kiss you? Can I do this? Can I do that? And then I found out that he's one of the, um, how's it called? Um, sex positive type of people. So um, he was polyamorous. Uh, he asked me for the consent, which, wow, I was shocked. That was the first mm-hmm. thing, because how often that happens. Yeah. Um, then the other thing was he asked me about my sexual preference and um, praising Fifty Shades of Grey, my sexual preference. The idea was 
BDSM. I just never tried it with anyone before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said that and he was like, okay, so what are your limits? What you are into? And I was like, I have no idea. I really don't mm-hmm. know. So mm-hmm. then he asked me, do you want me to take you home? And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. That sounds cool. <laughs> uh, so we did go to his place. He was a switch, so he was both dominant and uh, submissive. But my preference was to be submissive, so he would have to be with me dominant, which he was. And yeah, that was my like kind of sexual awakening in a way. Yeah, how long ago was that? Uh, about two years ago. Okay. And did you see him more than once? Yeah, we met a few times. I I had the chance to meet uh, his other partner, sexual partner, which was funny. We had lovely conversation with that girl, which I didn't expect. I was quite stressed because I didn't know what to expect. I've been never, ever seeing anyone that was polyamorous, and I'm not. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So... For me, like, I didn't want a relationship, so that was a nice setup because he made me feel beautiful, appreciated. I had all that element of security with him and no, like, baggage. So he really treated me nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess for people who, who don't recognize polyamory, it's hard to understand, but I really just needed that boost of self-confidence in that moment, which was very nice for me. And then meeting the the girl that he also was sleeping with, it was a bit stressful, was a bit exciting, but she's also a beautiful type of a person. We never had sexual experience together. You and the other woman. Yes, me and the other woman. (laughs) But I did see them kiss, and then he kissed Mm -hmm. me in the same room, the same afternoon. Uh, yeah. It was a bit awkward, but I didn't want to pay attention to that. I just like brushed it off. Yeah. I am also monogamous and I did briefly date somebody. Uh, well, I've dated a couple of people who were polyamorous during my time of grand sexual exploration. And I was just trying all of the things. Yeah. But I remember that um, I, I saw this guy several times who was married and he was, you know, they're fully polyamorous. I, I met her the same time I met him. Um, but I remember the first time that he took me back to his house because he needed to get something. We were going out on a date and he needed to pick something up and his wife was there. And that was fine. We had met before. But then he kissed her and then he came over and kissed me. And I was like, oh, that's really different. (laughs) (laughs) I really didn't know what to do with that at that time. I've since had a couple of other experiences like that, and I'm a little more comfortable with it. But for those of us who are primarily monogamous, that is a a little startling. (laughs) Yeah. And and as I I told you, like, I I define myself straight. But, you know, it was like, huh, so shall I kiss her now? Uh-huh. Where would that lead? <laughs> kind of a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I didn't. <laughs> I guess my shyness took over. Are you aching to explore new vistas of your sexuality? Do you hear me talk about concepts on this show and think it makes sense, but I need help applying it to my particular situation? That's where personalized sex and intimacy coaching comes in. 
When you work with me, I promise to help you feel safe exploring your sexuality. Together, we'll look at your needs and desires without judgment and help you figure out how to fulfill them. There is no single answer that's right for everyone, so I'm going to help you discover what's right for you. And we'll go at your pace. That's the pace that respects your emotional needs, your boundaries, and your nervous system. Because going too fast can send you into shutdown, while going too slow can be infuriating and exhausting. The goal is to find what's right for you. I work with clients who are motivated to explore many different areas of sexuality, including things like expressing your sexual desires to current or future partners, exploring if you might be queer, challenging body image insecurity in sexual relationships, dipping your toes into BDSM, exploring consensual non-monogamy, learning to date after a long time out of the dating pool, exploring your sexuality for later in life virgins, and so much more. I want you to have a deeply fulfilling, intimate life, and together, we can help you get there. For more information and to schedule your discovery call, visit leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. That's leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. want to go back to um to this first sexual experience that you had with this gentleman and him introducing you to some elements of BDSM what did you do what kinds of play did you engage in well basically um the first time we had sex huh it was i think just like dominance and spanking quite innocent mm-hmm. like no bondage part nothing like that it actually, uh, with my current partner, I, I do much more. But it was like just that introduction, which was for me surprising because he was telling me that um, here where I'm staying, there are apparently kind of BDSM parties. And there is a, some fire festival where also there are some talks about sex, uh, kind of like star talk. Uh, having consent, consensual sex, sorry, talking about STDs, all this safety when it comes to sex. Um, the fact that you have to have those safe words. If you don't, you have to trust the person. And obviously, you have to speak up as the submissive person. So even when we started like with sex and spanking, he would ask me if this is the level of pain that I like or if I want more. Yeah. So it was all fully consensual and I found it quite exciting. Mm-hmm. So for people who are listening who have not heard the first season, um, the episode that you're referring to is episode eight with Dr. Evelyn Dacker. And then episode 8A is where she explains the stars talk. And then I have a sample stars talk with uh, one of my friends, um, just so that people can go back and, and reference right. what you're talking about. Because <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's life changing. At least it was for me. I think it was the first podcast that I listened to. <laughs> oh, um, wow. From your show. <laughs> and then I was like, wow, that's, that's something that I almost never have done. Because... Yeah. 
coming up front with all the talks about STDs and your experiences is is very upfront and you you're too shy to do that you shy away from it but it's so honest and refreshing and it's so liberating in the actual yes. doing of it you don't have to wonder if the other person is going to be okay with what you want or are they going to figure out that thing that i really like or you know you just get to say all of it upfront and uh, as generalizing as it's going to sound i think women are quite guilty of ah oh, he's going to figure it out right yeah <laughs> he knows what yeah. he's doing <laughs> and no they don't they have no yeah. idea and, and i think that that uh, you know people who grow up in boy bodies were taught that they were supposed to know without having to ask and so it's yeah we all got mixed up messages <laughs> and well from my other sexual experiences some boys just walk in the fog and they have no clue and mm -hmm. uh they commit so many mistakes that if we don't speak up it's it's gonna be terrible <laughs> <laughs> so um you had mentioned that you had sort of this sexual awakening a couple of years ago had you up to that point been masturbating i did because that was the way i could actually come <laughs> Yeah, so so you had said that you didn't um, have an orgasm with partners, but you were still able to orgasm with yourself. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's just by clitoral simulation, usually. Mm -hmm. But yeah, when it comes to partners, I rarely came. Yeah. And so has that changed now in the wake of, of um, starting to explore some dominance and submissiveness? Definitely. Almost almost every time it's just like as i told you before um i'm struggling currently with depression so i guess sometimes that kicks in and then yeah coming is much harder but yeah most of the time mm -hmm. so yeah let's talk about depression some uh if you're open to that um how long have you been struggling with depression or dealing with it huh. the question there are different questions Dealing with it, struggling, or actually doing something about it. Oh, interesting distinction. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, one thing is to, to be there and trying to hit that wall by yourself and thinking, eh, it's just going to get better. I can brush it off. And that I've been, I've been guilty of that for a couple of years. Um, there were plenty of excuses. I've been in a relationship here in South Africa, which got me to basically my breaking point. But then again, I was struggling financially and I didn't want to admit that I have so many problems. When I finally found the courage in myself to, to break up that relationship and get this freedom and then be by myself for some time and open myself sexually, then I was like, okay, so it's fine now. <laughs> let me put my depression aside. <laughs> and yeah. again, if you don't work it out, then it's it's not gonna improve. And in the new relationship, when I was, so, I am so actively happy, I feel bad about still having this huge baggage mm. on my shoulders. And that was the time I was like, nah, this is enough time to deal with it, because you're not getting anywhere. Yeah. So um, how long have you been in this new relationship? Mm. A bit over a year. 
Has there been a change in your sexual experience and your sexual pleasure since starting the medication? Yeah, I know that that's a lot of like concern for a lot of people. And it was obviously my concern because I heard, you know, like Sex and the City said that if you take Prozac, then you can't come. <laughs> that was in Sex and the City. And I remember it. I used to li- watch it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, goodness, what's going to happen? Now I'm, I actually can come and I'll take those pills and they will stop. But no, that didn't happen. So, mm-hmm. um, I must say like that the initial dose, because it was just prescribed without any control, wasn't very helpful with everything. But now it didn't interfere with with my sexual desires. And um, since I started therapy and kind of understanding some things better myself and listening to a lot of podcasts regarding women's health and um, including sexual health, but also nutrition, um, I feel much better in my own body. And I start talking to my partner more about things. Mm. So uh, because of your podcast, I started talking to him about like sexual desires and all those kind of things. And uh, sometimes I'm just tempted to, you know, spice it up and say like, okay, I want to do this. Yeah. And, and he's open to that. So that's just great. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I, I'm really glad that you're willing to talk about this because depression is a subject that we haven't really touched on much in this podcast yet. And it's something that I deal with. And um, I have dealt with chronic depression. Well, <laughs> if we take your languaging, I've been <laughs> struggling with it since I was an early teenager. I've actually been dealing with it for about the last uh, 12 or 14 years. And, um, and I am on an antidepressant. And it does interfere to some degree with my sexual sensation. However, for me, the emotional stability that comes with that, I would rather give up a little bit of sexual sensation and have the emotional stability than have phenomenal sexual sensation and be a fucking disaster and not be able to hold on to a partner. (laughs) No, definitely, definitely. (laughs) Because that is really the flip side for me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about your current relationship. What what is it like? What do the two of you enjoy together sexually? Uh, well, um so my boyfriend is a dominant type of a person, but it refers when it comes to relationship only in bed. Uh so uh-huh. um on the daily basis we are partners and I have incredible amount of support when it comes to depression, my work, my studies, anything. Um, So it's just a support and pure love when it comes to that. When it comes to bed, then (laughs) (laughs) Um, still have a lot of support and trust. And I think it all adds up and you have to have it in um, BDSM sex because without that, you're not going to be able to feel comfortable. Obviously, like, as I said, like, I'm submissive. And I think in one of uh, one of your guests as well said that being a submissive gives her freedom from being a control freak. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm a bit of control freak, which also leads to my depression. And I treat sex as healing a bit because I give up all that control. And it's all up to him. And I used to think with other partners that if I do that, they'll get bored. And because for me, sex used to be the validation. 
I was like, oh, I need to be active. Oh, I need to do this. And I need to be like this candy stripper from porn movie so -hmm. that um, they would like having sex with me. And yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, I get that. Uh-huh. Um, but but it wasn't my thing. I mean, it's nothing wrong with being that kind of a person, but it's not my thing. And um, I felt very artificial when I had to do that. Um, but then when I came into this submissive role and uh, it was all the control was given away, I had this freedom of my mind, mm. which was so nice because I could just focus on the sensation. Yeah. So um, how, what are some of the like, uh, for people who aren't familiar with BDSM, this can sound like a really scary topic. So for people who are really new and think that what this means is like whips and chains and all sorts of scary stuff, can you talk about more specifically, what is it that you enjoy doing with your partner? Well, um, First of all, as you're saying about feeling safe, it's that safety and comfort of your partner that you're with. I wouldn't be comfortable as much with any other guy that I've been with. And what we do is basically spanking, uh, using whip if we want to, using cuffs if we want to. Um, As I said, I'm quite a control freak, so I really like to be blindfolded because then I don't I focus on the sensation that I'm getting from my partner and it's not necessarily pain because it's about the pleasure. I do like combination of both. The pain is the arousal factor, but then you get the pleasure, which is even more and just adding on top of each other until you climax. (laughs) (laughs) And it's about this control for me that I give up and, um, it's in a sense of how to explain that so it would sound the way I want it to sound because it is good. Um, I'm a giver and the control and love and pleasure is all I can give. It's kind of like I'm giving this great gift to my partner and he accepts it and respects it. And that's so important because so often, um, spanking all these kind of things are related to not respecting women but this is about this control and power because even as a submissive person you are in power you are in charge of that situation Uh, we don't need the safety words in our relationship if i say any sound of pain he's gonna stop if it's obviously not going to be related to moaning but he's gonna stop immediately and he's very careful with my body and as I'm saying, like, he likes to be in control of the situation. And like, I like to give up the control. So we have mutual understanding. Yeah, I love that. You, I think you just talked about that. So or you said that really well. So thank you. <laughs> I'm glad that I managed to <laughs> convey my message. <laughs> it's all good. Do that. But with a person that you love and you trust. Yeah, absolutely. Mainly trust. Obviously, you don't mm-hmm. have to be in love. But just the trust part is very, very important. What kind of touch do you enjoy most? (laughs) Quite the change of subject. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm still in a phase of exploring myself, I think. So I do enjoy spanking and whip. But then at the same time, it has to be mixed with pleasure. 
Mm-hmm. So it's not like one-way ticket to just pain. <laughs> <laughs> I must say what was cool once, you know, I got spanked and then I got kissed in a butt cheek that was spanked in red, which was like, that's nice. Nice. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice mix of all those sensations. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about the whip for a moment, because a whip requires a great deal of um, knowledge and precision is that something that your partner has spent time practicing and learning? I think there are different kinds of whip. As I'm saying, like I'm still not like 100% into BDSM world. So he's using the short horse whip, which okay. is funny because he bought it. That's the only thing he bought in the horse shop. So he said that the lady does <laughs> weirdly. <laughs> and it's much cheaper than in actual sex store. Right. <laughs> But yeah. Um, so you're not talking about sort of the, the like cattail. I'm no, not even sure no, that's no, no, the no, correct no. word. No, not yeah. that long stuff. No. <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. Friends, if you love these conversations, I would love your help to keep them going. There are three ways you can participate. Two are free. And one is for listeners who've got a few extra dollars each month. Number one, take a screenshot of this episode right now and post it to your Instagram stories. Tag me in your post. And if it's public, I'll reshare and send you a personal thank you. Word of mouth is the best way to build buzz for an independent show like Good Girls Talk About Sex. And the more people listening, the healthier our collective sexual experiences will become. Number two, don't want the whole world to know you're listening to a show about sex? I get it. Perhaps you heard something in this episode that reminds you of a past conversation with a friend or something you wish your partner knew. Send them a link to this episode and a quick message about why you think they should listen. And number three, If you have the resources to support the sex-positive work I do, I'd be grateful for your support at Patreon. Donating the equivalent of a fancy cup of coffee each month might not make a big difference to you, but it makes a huge difference to me. There's absolutely no contract or obligation. You can cancel at any time. Plus, I donate 10% of all proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are currently being legislated out of existence. It's easy to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. And one more thing. There is a treasure trove of additional audio at Patreon that's free to everyone. You don't even need to have a Patreon account to access them. Just go to patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex to start listening. I appreciate every one of you, whether you're a client, a patron, a social media follower, or a silent listener. I trust you to know what's right for you. Thank you for being here. Now, let's get back to the show. Before we finish up, let's do the quick five. Five quick questions we'd usually be too polite to ask any good girl. 
What is a fantasy you've been wanting to try but haven't yet? It is on the bucket list. As I said, I'm a sensual person, so like um, focusing on only touch sensations. So basically, I think it was described in Fifty Shades. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not recommending this book for the story and plot, but the idea. So <laughs> the ideas were cool there. So, you know, like being blindfolded, not knowing what is going on completely. And as I'm saying, giving all this um, to your partner and then having a bit of pain here, a bit of cold sensation, warm sensation, this kind of things. Apparently, it's my birthday gift. So, hey. <laughs> Ooh, nice. <laughs> so um, just to, I say this every time Fifty Shades comes up, because I think it's so <laughs> important. The I love the fact that it introduced these concepts to a wider audience and clearly sparked something in the in the greater consciousness. That character is an extremely shitty Dom, because he showed up and said, you are going to do exactly what I want to do. And the only way to stop it is to stop everything. And yes. that is not the way that a real caring, consensual Dom relationship works. That's first of all, toxic relationship when it comes yes. to, to the psychological point of view. Um, and I noticed that, yeah, you can't heal your partner. From my experiences, yes. you just can't. They have to make their work. You can be just supportive. And um, sex is definitely not the way to heal problems. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Amen, sister. <laughs> What's the kinkiest thing you enjoy? Oh, my God. Kinkiest thing. <laughs> so... Um, my boyfriend likes to dress me up and uh, usually those are slutty outfits. So we like to go for shopping together, or browse internet together and we have quite a few outfits. I really enjoyed that. And he enjoys corsets, uh, corsets and all that ropey things. So I'm basically standing there and he dresses me up in this kind of a leathery outfit which makes his touch feel much different on my skin. Again, it's a skin sensation. And mm -hmm. um, that's the first part. And then, uh, you know, this whole BDSM thing is like for women who don't feel comfortable about their bodies, that look that the partner gives you. Like, I don't feel comfortable about my body, but that moment when he's praising your body, that just gives mm. you that very good introduction to the rest of the evening. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> nice. I love it. And it's still not the kinkiest thing that I'm talking about, but I think that that is my favorite part. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> well, and, uh, you know, I ask that question with the knowledge that everybody is going to have a different scale for what is kinky. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Do you swallow or not? Huh. <laughs> that comes to those weird experiences that I had. Um, so with the right partner, I do. But um, I think some of your um, interviews were speaking about consensual, not, not consensual sex, and if non-consensual sex can happen in the relationship. And I, uh, it did happen to me. My boyfriend just 
we were in doggy style position and told me in certain point, just turn around. And he just finished in my mouth and I choked mm. and then he started laughing and I was like, what the hell, man? Oh, I'm sorry. And as I'm saying it, it comes uh, from his lack of knowledge. With the same partner, he tried to have anal sex with me without any lubrication. Lack oh, wow. of knowledge again. Yeah. <laughs> I just screamed and I was like, what, what you doing ever? That sounds like uh, somebody who's watched a lot of porn. Yeah. Yeah. And doesn't understand that porn isn't exactly what happens in real life. Exactly. So, so uh, yeah, that those are experiences I don't wish on anyone, but, mm. but yeah, I think it comes from porn as well as us not talking about it, not talking about it in the relationship. And when you start dating, which again, I'm going back. Everybody should listen to Starstock. <laughs> <laughs> do you enjoy direct stimulation to your clit? Do you prefer the hood to be touched or do you like it to not be touched at all? So the, the thing, huh, again, I hope my partner is not listening to. I still didn't tell him I don't like when he's stimulating my clit. <laughs> so uh, that's something I still need to like, kind of tell him. I like it when it's done uh, soft or when I do it myself. How do you feel when a partner loses or can't get an erection? Again, a thing that happened to me quite often and I was blaming myself. I always blame myself. And for a long time, I couldn't accept the idea that it's not my fault. Mm -hmm. So now when it happens, well, it happens. I'm not like content because I, as I'm saying, I'm a giver, so I would much rather have him orgasm than me. <clears throat> but when it happens, it happens. Martina, thank you so much. <laughs> Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you would like to say? Thank you so much for doing this, because I think it's so needed. Because yeah, sometimes, as you're saying, you had your friends with your, uh, your talks with your friends. And I had sometimes talks with friends when you have more wine, then you talk about it. But I think sexual education is so important. And in, in Poland, there, there is this big movement as well um, to educate kids because the sexual education seems to be quite taken away from school. And uh, as much as we don't have very high, as for Europe, we don't have high teenage pregnancy statistics, but still, I think it's not enough words out there about consent, about STDs and all that. And um, so many mistakes come from that. Yeah. Well, thank you for being part of the next revolution. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me. That's it for today. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or if you're using another podcast app, go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash goodgirls. And remember, there's a treasure trove of audio extras available for free at Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash goodgirlstalkaboutsex. While listening to those extras is free, producing this show is not. If my work is meaningful to you, and you have a few dollars to support it each month, 
I will gratefully accept your patronage at Patreon. I donate 10% of all Patreon proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are increasingly difficult to obtain. Find out more and become a community member at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. Show notes and transcripts for this episode are at goodgirlstalk.com. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Good Girls Talk for more sex positive content. If you have a question or comment about anything you've heard on the show, call and leave a message at 720-GOOD-SEX. Good Girls Talk About Sex is produced by me, Leah Carey, and edited by Gretchen Kilby. I have additional administrative support from Lara O'Connor and Maria Franco. Transcripts are produced by Jan Asiello. Before we go, I want to remind you that the things you may have heard about your sexuality aren't true. You are worthy. You are desirable. You are not broken. As your sex and intimacy coach, I will guide you in embracing the sexuality that is innately yours, no matter what it looks like. To set up your free discovery call, go to leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. Until next time, here's to your better sex life.